to Good Looking Out, episode 47, a podcast about what to eat, watch, read, and listen to. I'm Eric. I'm Jason. So, Santos. What's up, man? I got to give you the, the great cooktop update. <laughs> oh, seriously? In the, in there's, the, in there's, the ongoing saga. Still. My personal war versus Warner Stallion. Uh, we have a new cooktop. Hey. Upstairs. It's installed. Uh, Congratulations. It's, it's a wolf. Cooked out from wonderful Wisconsin. Congratulations. We've ditched the German faulty cooktop and went with a good old Midwestern Wisconsin made, good craftsmanship made in the USA. Wolf is made in Wisconsin? Uh, yeah, Wolf and Sub-Zero are both in from Wisconsin. And so is Kohler. That's yeah, weird. Yeah, so is Kohler. It's like a empire the fuck? going over there. Interior. Mo- most Wisconsin. good things are made in Wisconsin. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so it's installed it works like a dream. Uh, it looks even better than the other one did. Well, it's great. magic. So oh, shit. Problem solved. Drama over. Hey. Put it in the rear view. Yes. So. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I, I, I'll be honest. I wasn't expecting that. I, thought, <laughs> I, was, I was ready to hear yeah. that. How I've been looking for was... <laughs> clandestine suppliers of TNT yes. in, on the dark web. Exactly. <laughs> Yes, I was ready to hear yeah. some kind of no, shit. No, it's all good. I mean, <laughs> I don't know that I'll ever buy another appliance from Warner Stellion again, to be honest. Sure, right. But would you? they didn't ask us to, you know, they just wanted to make it right in their defense. So yeah. we made it right. They got a little more money out of us, but we have an amazing cooktop that we're just incredibly excited about. So, Well, that's rad. Do you have a vent above it? We do. You do? Yep. Yeah, I don't have my house is fucking old, and I don't have that. I've got like a vent that goes out the, like it goes through the wall with just like a massive fan in it. So oh. basically, you smoke up the kitchen, and then this thing just like is like an exhaust <laughs> fan that empties it out, like for the room, for the room. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, jeez. There's like above the stove, there's a a unit that has like the fan, and it sucks it up, and I think it kind of blows it that way. But I still I have my own system though. Right. Which is window open yeah. with a huge fan yep. blowing at, like a huge right. yeah, like, yeah. monster fan. Taking it out. Just, yeah. And, and how does that work in the winter? It's cold. That's why you do the garage in the winter? Y- yeah, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Ever since you I, figured I, I to- out your garage would, was going to get start be like a grease fire, basically? Dude, so I did – so everybody, I – if if anybody out there brazes, you know that the best thing about a braze is getting like a really great sear on the outside of something. And the only way you can do that is in a screaming hot cast iron pan. And you destroy your house when you do that. So say like a, a burger is right. best. It's the best way to make a burger. It's the best way to make a steak. Yeah. We got to get you a good grill, best thing. my friend. I love I, I we do actually. I like I like shit on the grill, but like for a sear. Right, but have you seen the like um the Weber uh summit grills with like the sear station in the middle? That's like extra high heat what? for no. searing. Yeah. Sears? Yeah. That's what I got in the backyard. Oh, I have to look at that. Yeah, Weber Summit. They've got a sear station and it's got an infrared with a rotisserie. rotisserie. Yeah. Best, some of the best rotisserie chicken I've ever made. Fucking hell. Well, anyway, I was out there, yeah, last winter, searing shit, thinking I was getting away with murder. I was like, I got fucking, I got yeah. winter licked. You, you, 
You got tricks. I got you tricks. Got this on lockdown. I'm out there smoking a cigar, drinking <laughs> fucking bourbon. Yeah. You know what I mean? I got the door open, or depending on how cold it was, if it was ass cold, I'd have it closed. Um, and I would just, I had like, I had a jacket that I basically surrendered. Right. So I just put on that jacket. Like, the garage like, cooking jacket. It was a garage cooking jacket that I just basically surrendered. It was an old piece of shit. So I'd wear that, smoke, sear my whatever, go back in. Spring comes, and I go to, we're going camping, and I go to put the, uh, like, the first time I'm touching anything in the garage, really. And I go to put the, you know those containers that you put on the roof that you stick all the shit in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's a clamshell kind of thing? Yeah. So I grab... Go to grab that thing I had up in the rafters, and my hands are fucking stuck to it. Like, there's so much fucking grease. It's like, just so much fucking grease. So, I was like, oh my god, this is terrible. So, I get the thing down, I look at it, and it's just fucking yellow. It's covered in grease. Oh, man. So, I get out the bucket, simple green scrub brush, and I get after it. Some good Portuguese fucking elbow grease on that thing. I got after it, after it, after it, and I thought I got it pretty good. Threw the thing up on the on the car, went camping, and it rained. <laughs> and the grease fucking dripped down on the windshield. And it became this fucking nightmare for like three months. The windshield wipers, you couldn't wash it. You couldn't right. fucking wash the windshield. You couldn't, like, you couldn't. And I tried everything, like dish detergent that, that's right. meant to get rid yeah, of yeah, grease. grease. No, yeah. no. So every if when it would rain... Like, you can't see out the fucking window. You could not see out the fucking window. It was terrible. God. In the garage, everything in the garage was covered with grease. Like, I, I absolutely fucked myself. Yeah. So that was over. So, yeah, word to the wise. No brazing in your garage. Don't Unless steer. you have, like, an industrial kitchen in your garage or something. Yeah, which yeah. would be badass. Just do it outside. But there's nothing better, I'll tell you, than taking a I – a, I use a turkey fryer. Right. And put a cast iron pan on top of that and just blast it with fucking thousands of BTUs. Right. You can't yeah. you can't get it hotter. Like it gets so fucking hot. Does it actually start to turn red? I never I never got it that hot because right. that'll just burn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you just instantly char anything you put in there. Yeah. Room. Like you don't want it that hot, but right. I mean you want it you you want it to be nine hundred degrees. Wow. You know, 800, 900 degrees. Right. Because it's just hit it yeah. and then flip it. You know? I mean, there are grills that can get that hot, though. Yeah. I mean, nice grills. Like, you get um, uh, like a Memphis pellet, like wood pellet burning yeah, grill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll get up to 850, 900 for steaks. Seriously? Yeah. And they have a, a configuration where you can get direct as well. It, like, it's usually indirect for smoking. Yeah. Because that's what you want it for. But there's a way to, like, you pull out one of the grates and put a different one in, and all of a sudden huh. you're, you're styling with, like, direct heat. And those things are double insulated for cooking in the winter, too. So they retain. Wait, you, I know you're, high, you're, you're very much into the grills. You may yeah. – here's the thing. Well, you, you'll have to talk me into it because I am – I'm about, like, getting her done. Like I don't want to fuck mm-hmm. her. Not as far when smoking something like that or whatever. Like I'm, I'm not about to, you know, to rush that. But like as far as the setup goes, like for me, just making burgers or whatever. Right. I guess you can always do both. You can have a, you can have a charcoal and a gas. That's probably that feels like the best way to roll. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. Is that what you do? Um. 
Well, you I've got, got a smoker. You I've got, got the charcoal smoker. You get the yeah, smoker. The vertical, the pit barrel cooker. So I have that, and then I have the gas grill. And yeah. I never smoke on the gas grill, even though it's got like a smoke box on the side. Like you yeah, can do those it. Are bullshit. But, yeah. That's bullshit. That's agreed. Like fart in the wind. That Although they do have a thing. Someone made an attachment that goes on the rotisserie for ribs. So like it pulls the ribs around and you use the infrared at the same time with the smoker. And supposedly like it makes amazing ribs. I've never tried it because I, I have huh. a smoker for ribs. But yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So what else is new? Oh, let's see. Just got back from Mexico. Yeah. Where did you go? Went to Sayulita. Sayulita. Yes. So um, it's an hour north of Puerto Vallarta. Right. Um, now, where is that in relation to? That's kind of close to where we went before. Um, it is south of there. South. Okay. Very much south. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because that Which place. Because that place was like two hours plus. Oh yeah. Well, it was it was two and a half hours on a paved road, and then an hour. 45 minutes on a to get bumpy off ass dirt road yeah. this, into this coconut plantation. This yeah. place is amazing. So Eric uh, and his family went on this vacation and we copy pasted the vacation. It was rad because it was kind yes. of in the middle of nowhere. It's one in, of the best beaches I've ever been to. Nayarit. And you have the entire thing to yourself. You have the entire thing to yeah. yourself. Fly yeah. Nayarit. Yep. Um, it's this coconut plantation. It's in the middle of nowhere. So it's, it's the price cannot be beat. It's so cheap that you can actually afford to have a private chef the entire time and still beat a price that you would in like you know, yeah. a normal Airbnb for sure. Cannot. It was unbelievable. But, um, Sayulita, man, I fell in love with it. I haven't, I haven't felt that way about a place in a long time. And that town's got a ton of character. Nice. Um, like, Killer, killer, killer tacos, um, t- like loads of places to eat. I never, um, I, I never exhausted, um, I never got through everything. Um, wow. Surfing. I'd never, uh, all the years I lived on the coast, never surfed. I have always wanted to. So did you go surfing? Then? I did. Yeah. Wow. For like three, four days. It was amazing. Shit. So killer. Water's beautiful. There's some, um, some pretty protected bays that nice. are great for the kids. And then at night, like you, you just roll around on a golf cart. The town's right. so small. And at night there was like just enough for me to get into trouble, like just enough trouble. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, get, yeah. Like drinking really nice mezcal and, and wow. beers. And it Damn. was awesome. The town's stuck in like 1993. Right. And it's just, it's beautiful. Sounds, sounds awesome. I'm going to check that out. I'll hit you up for the details. So I can... would highly recommend anybody. Sayulita is, I mean, I wouldn't say for me, it's I've Tulum. I've always loved, but now I'm in love with this place. Nice. I can't wait to go back. Good yeah. stuff. So you said you got some movies that you've been. Yeah, man. Out. Um, I just watched, um, this is a n- new streaming on Netflix. Um, Zombie movie called Train to Busan. Yeah, that's actually was my pick too. Shut the fuck <laughs> yeah. up. Seriously? <laughs> yes. Killer. Yeah. It's actually <laughs> before I realized it was streaming on Netflix, uh, for like the one person in the world who doesn't have Netflix, uh, you can buy it on Amazon and own it for ninety nine cents. Seriously? Yeah. For yeah, a H- dollar? HD for a dollar on Amazon. Dude, I, I that's worth buying. Yeah. I mean it's worth every ninety nine cents. Um, good film. Yeah, it was good. Really good. You know, I mean, it's a zombie movie, um, that, uh, 
it's kind of like a cross between Snowpiercer and 28 Days Later. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, and at the same time, is like a little bit of its own thing. It is, yeah. You know what's interesting is I was like, when I started watching it, because I had heard someone someone else online recommended said, this movie is 99 cents right now on Amazon to own. It's one of the best movies of last year. And I was like, for 99 cents, like, and I trust this person's opinion. I'm just going to go for it. And I'll watch it this weekend. And I was like, you know, I'll watch this because this guy said it's really good. But is there like anything new to sort of add to the sort of zombie mix? Right. And it turns out that the answer was yes. Yeah. I was I was pleasantly surprised by I thought they did some original things and some interesting things with it. So Yeah, it was what I liked is is the um is the sort of like trying to escape to a place where so the outbreak has just happened and this isn't giving I don't think too much away. I mean, this is what basically what happens in every zombie movie. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So the outbreak happens like Lickety split happens fucking fast and people are, you know, like, what's going on? And it's fucking zombies. And um, the thing I thought was interesting about it is that they were trying to get to a place that was still considered safe and probably like blocked off that the government had still like been able to maintain right. a stronghold. Yeah. So it, it was about trying to get. It was all about trying to get to this place yeah. on a train. Which is an, an interesting setting because you're both protected and trapped at the same time. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Y- yeah, you know, and... Um, and also a little bit cut off from the rest of the world and what's going on and information. That's right, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that was kind of a bummer that cell phone were cell phones working? Yeah, a little bit. Which is kind of a drag. I didn't like that. There was the main guy, the dad, who was like getting some intel, like what whatever intel he could get. Yeah, that's right. He was staying in touch from like one of his employees or something. I like feel that. like you you got to take the cell phone away. You know what I mean? Right. Towers are going to be overloaded. It's like you know, imagine that like nine yeah. eleven was like for three right. days you couldn't make a call. Right from you know? that area, yeah. So or into that area, into yeah. yeah. So I mean, you got to take the cell phone away. That's not going to work. Um, but whatever, I'll, I'll forgive it. But the characters I thought were great. The little girl yep, was great. She was really good. Yeah. Um, it felt very Korean, which was yeah. nice. Like it, it lingered on some shots where. Yeah. One of the things that I really liked about it and the reason, one of the reasons I enjoyed watching it because it felt like it was a little bit of a, um, uh, like a peek into the Korean cultural zeitgeist. Yeah. Like the distrust of, um, Oh, yeah. The the distrust of government and this feeling that, like, (coughs) you know, I mean, imagine living with North Korea on your border for all those years and this feeling of uneasiness of, like, there's this this leader is, like, unstable and crazy, and we're the next closest, you know, we're the, it's just right over, you know, a practically invisible border with, like, hardly any protection. So there was a little bit of that, it felt like, and a little bit of, like, being misled by the government and disdain for the financial institutions and certainly that. Yeah. There was like a good, it was, it was interesting. It just felt like, Oh, this is, it's interesting to see this from another culture as opposed to another American. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And I think that that was one of the big things that I, I liked about it too, is the disdain for, for like financial institutions, as you said, like, so our main protagonist is a hedge fund manager yep. and um, 
and he he gets torn to shreds for it. Like, <laughs> like they're always ragging on him. They're like, oh, yeah. here, you're used to getting rid of the weak and the right. Like, you know, yeah, you only care about yourself, you bloodsucker. It, yeah. Like yeah, you know. And then there's another evil guy who's obviously rich. Like, he's you know very yeah. well dressed and expensive suit, and he's like the very evil guy. Yep. Um. So it was very much a you know yeah. take down the bouge. Right. Kind of feeling to it. Yeah, the, the whole thing was, yeah, it just had an interesting vibe. Like, I think Snowpiercer meets 28 Days Later is a very good sort of uh, shorthand sort of elevator pitch for it. And I thought it was solid the whole way through as well. Like, it kind of it, yeah, it, it, didn't, it, it didn't lag. No. It didn't feel like it fell apart towards the end. It felt Yeah, it no, they good. didn't. They, they had great pace. Oh, the zombies were good. Yep. They didn't... Um, you know, they didn't linger on them. The cinematography was really good. It was extremely well shot. Yeah. Uh, extremely well shot. There were some really gorgeous setups and some really nice some scenes. Some great setups. Some some really nice interiors using reflections yep. and glass and yeah. um, really nice setups. Yeah, there, there's some beautiful stuff in there. And the way that the zombies moved was interesting. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. It was like believable. The, like, yeah, the whole like weird forty-five degree jerks. And yes. Like, yeah. Sort of like spine snapping movements and weird stuff like that made it extra creepy. That definitely added like a the Korean horror element. Yes, that. exactly. Yeah. yeah, with like dislocated limbs, yep. but still coming at you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good one. In lots of like, they they played um, really well with moments of like high intensity. Um, I'm speaking in particular of like when the train was going through tunnels. Right. So it's like high intensity, but the zombies, it turns out the zombies can't see people in, um, in, the, dark. in the dark. Yeah. So you're, you've got these super you know, like tense moments. And then once the train hits a tunnel, it's super quiet and it's re it's still, it's super tense, but it's really quiet and you're kind of making your way through. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then it comes out of the tunnel and it's fucking, yeah. that, that was nice. That's that cool. was, a, yeah. those are a nice play with the, yeah, for sure. So yeah. Train to Busan. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. I, I have no idea who, I, I don't know any background yep, on it. About the, yeah. Obviously I wasn't familiar with any of those actors from other things, but I think Korean cinemas, besides like the horror films that have made their way over here and been remade or whatever, there's a lot of like Korean, um, like sort of police noir procedural sort of things. Yeah. There's some really good ones. Yeah. There's a lot of good Korean cinema that doesn't make its way, uh, or like it, it, if it does make its way over here, it's sort of underappreciated. Yeah. And just has poor distribution and is tough to get your hands on. So. Yeah. Yeah, so that one was killer. Um, I I had another, you know, I watched fucking oddly enough, I watched two tsunami movies in a row. Seriously? Yeah, I don't know. It just happened. I guess I must have clicked on like if you like if you like this disaster movie. <laughs> I wasn't giving a shit. I yeah. think I just clicked for the next movie. Um, so I watched. I would not recommend it for anybody with children. First, well, the first one I watched, um. I was interested in I'd never seen it before. It's called The Wave. So it's a Norwegian uh it's a Norwegian film about a tsunami. Huh. So they have all the, you know, the big fjords, right? Right. With quite a bit of seismic activity in, in those things and um 
this one town is in, in peril because there's p- a potential landslide about to happen. And right. the story is, you know, pretty well covered territory. Like this guy's quitting his job and moving on to something else, but he notices something right as he's leaving his, you know, his last day. And he's like, just doesn't quite sit right with him. And he keeps reminding people and no one's listening to him. And you know what I mean? Yep. It's pretty, it's like, it's, it's pretty trodden territory, but, um, but it's still, it's, I don't know. It's Norwegian. So it feels different and you right. kind of forgive it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and it's beautiful. It's, you know, it's got right. all those beautiful exteriors and for sure, you know, but it's has, um, really amazing, um, effects. Like they don't shy away from the actual, like, rock slides and tsunami and it's pretty great and it's pretty tense and huh. and there's some great moments in it i'd highly recommend it it's um i think that's on netflix as well the wave the wave yeah okay. check it out i mean it's a it's a fucking no-brainer watch you know what i mean it's it's uh just candy but, yeah, but it's cool. You know, it's like well done. It's nice to see that come from another culture. So, have you read any of the articles about the Pacific Northwest and the sort of like impending earthquake and tsunami? Just the one. Yeah, just like that one from a year or two ago. That I forget the woman who wrote it, but yeah, it was, was that like a massive Atlantic article or yeah, New Yorker. One of the two yeah. Atlantic. Might have been New Yorker. It was one of the best things yeah. I've read in, in yeah. ages. It was so good. Yeah. And it, uh, yeah, it's like the one that nobody's thinking of. Right. And the when they tracked back that sort of the ancient uh, one that hit the coast of Japan, I guess as well. Um, in the their like parallel fault line that they can because it was never recorded that. Because they were like, has one ever hit? Like we're we're seeing these these things and this right. activity, and then they figured out that yes, it, there had been one, but it was and it was documented in Japan, but it was never documented in the Pacific Northwest. But they can actually now see like where it hit. And the thing that's so scary about that thing is no one in the Pacific Northwest is preparing for this at all. Yeah, and the amount of land it's going to cover. Like, especially in, that's like, a, I've been on vacation there with my family, you know? Yeah. And like the Devil's Punch Bowl. And it's a gorgeous, like, it's an awesome place to go on oh, vacation. Yeah. But if, it, with the amount of people that are there on vacation, the amount of people that live there, they're talking about like 25,000 people yeah. being like instantly underwater and killed. And there's Gone. no way you, you can make it out. Even if you start when you, the, like, you see the wave pull back or whatever, you're still not going to make it. No, no. Yeah, you're not you're not getting out of that. Um and that thing yeah, it's not only that, but I mean there's also the um there's the wave, but there's also the earthquake. Right. The the earthquake part of it, yeah. Like that is a cuz that fault line is um from what I remember, I, I read that a while ago, um is is super deep and actually has like a lot more tension built up on it than the San Andreas right. does because the San Andreas, you know, it, it releases a lot of energy. Like there's tons, you know, for anybody who's been in the Bay area, you feel earthquakes all the time. Right. You know, and that's good because it's releasing tension and, you know, right. it's letting shit move a little bit, but that thing hasn't moved in fucking ages. Yeah. So when that thing blows, man, it's going to be something. Right. And I think they're, like using the predictive models, they're saying it's like ninety nine point eight percent 
it's like pretty much inevitable that it's going to happen. And they even have a time, a rough time horizon. Yeah, like 50 years or 75 years, I yeah. think. Yeah. It's makes you think, it makes you wonder. And it's same with like Los Angeles. It's like, what? I mean, for, for whatever reason, like when I lived in San Francisco, I was always, I, it never even fucking bothered me. Right. I was like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, I just, I'm not going that way. Like, I'm, yeah. I know I'm not going out that way. I, now, that said, I didn't have a family. Right. So. Well, there are also some neighborhoods there that are safer than others. Yeah. Like and the I lived mi- in the mission is like bedrock. You know, mission is bedrock. Petro Hills bedrock. Yep. Like you're fine there. Marina. You're not. Yeah. So you're going, yeah. Which it's actually works fill. out well. Yeah. yeah. You live there. You live by the new <laughs> fucking baseball stadium, which is also on. Fair. All of that. Yeah. UCSF. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't work out that poorly because yeah. I'm fine with all that going. <laughs> I, I, I hope, can hope, I hope can since the 89 earthquake that they figured out when they do that fill stuff, like how to do it a little better. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. No shit. But I mean, you know, you build your house on sand, you're in trouble, I guess. I, yeah, I think so. Um, so you followed up the, uh, the Norwegian tsunami movie with an American tsunami movie about the, uh, the the one in Thailand in two thousand four, yeah, the one with um Ewan McGregor and yeah, that one. Did is, you see that? Oh, it's yeah. a it's not good if you got kids. No, it is not good if you have kids. It was I did not it's enjoy. A little it. bit terrifying. It's yeah, like a family. Yeah, if you got kids, I I honestly do not recommend it because it's it's not enjoyable. Like it's not enjoyable the entire time. You just like you just put yourself in those it's shoes. A, and you're Naomi like, Watts. Yeah, Naomi Watts. Hugh McGregor. She's actually, she was she's actually really good. really good in that. She's really good, yeah. She's, I mean, it's mostly her. It is mostly her, yeah. yeah. She's good, isn't she? Yeah, she is good. Um, There's some nice moments in that. Um, and that was based on a, tr- that's based on that's a, true, a true story, story. that family, right? That family, yeah, it was a real thing. But fuck that. <laughs> yeah. No. No kidding. No. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How many people, I mean, how many people died in that fucking thing? I want to say it was like 250,000 people. Right. Died. Yeah. yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, that thing, that was, it's, it's the worst tsunami in recorded history. Right. The day after Christmas. I remember that thing, Hen. Yeah. God, 2004? That's crazy. It's hard to believe that was 13 years ago. And have you been in that part of the world on the beaches and stuff there? I have not. Yeah, I've been in, we've stayed like literally like hotel door opens onto the beach in Phuket in the south of Thailand. Yeah. That's where like the famous, all those weird little islands are like James Bond. It was like where they had the hidden base in the island. They actually called that island James Bond Island. Right. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and Yeah. It's an amazing part of the world. Oh, I'm dying but, to like, go. Yeah, I, I I watched that movie just thinking of like being in that hotel in that beach. It's just like, oh yeah, like oh, you're done. you're done. Assuming that it hit that part, all those um, outer islands might have stopped, uh, might have actually protected that area, right? In that part of Phuket. So yeah, who knows? But um, ugh, yeah, yeah, tough, tough, tough business. They're like tough fucking sometimes business. they're like realistic. You know, as opposed to like San Andreas with the rock or whatever, which is this far fetched what if thing. Totally. Like, this is a real, this actually happened. This actually you know? happened, yeah. And being put in the shoes of these characters that are dealing with this are. Yeah. Uh, Just, I mean, these hundreds of thousands of people displaced. And 
in the scenes of like for anybody who's ever been like you know overtaken by water you know that it's an extremely helpless feeling you know like you've ever if you've ever been like you know had a few waves get the best of you right or if you've ever been like kind of stuck underwater for whatever reason it's a scary feeling in those scenes like you're being absolutely like just fucking it's like being flushed down a toilet, like, right. and you're just a turd, and you're. But there's sharp pieces of metal everywhere, trying right. to fuck, like, just. Yeah. And if you're getting, if you're hitting a tree, you're getting slammed, at, like a crushing. Oh. Going to be paced against a building or a tree or something, you know. Those injuries. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really give that a huge recommendation. Just. Not because it's not a good movie. It's a good just, movie. Just because it's tough to but it's, watch. But it's hard to watch if you've got a family, yeah. All right. So I've got a – I have a, <laughs> a sort of um, – this was like a really eye-opening. It's just one of those wonderful things that makes me think the internet is so great, oh. which in this day and age we really need. Oh, um, do we ever. Uh, I was listening – I will give credit where credit is due. The um, the podcast This American Life turned me on to this, but they had a, a, a serious – uh, a, a recent episode called the theme was ask a grown up and they pointed to, there's a series called um, uh, it started off called ask a grown man where they had teenage girls writing in to get advice from grown men. And there's a whole series of people um, who do this, but the, the people that he, the, they were spotlighting in the show was run the jewels, the uh, hip hop duo. Yeah. Uh, Killer Mike and LP. Uh, producer and you know the Killer Mike is the guy who who raps and yep. these guys are so fucking amazing at answering these questions from these girls. I'm actually I'm gonna play a little clip of it oh, just because totally. I think it's like so. But I actually I watched part of it at work and then I was like I I can't watch this. It's like 25 minutes long and I went home and Nicole and I were like cleaning the kitchen and I put it on and the two of us listened to it. I swear I could listen to at least five hours of these guys doing this thing. It's so kidding. good. Um, they're, they're like, so and like killer Mike is awesome because he is a dad of like a 16 year old girl. So okay. he's like lived through a bunch of the stuff and like thought extensively about some of these questions and some of these issues that these girls are asking about. And then LP is just like so unbelievably empathetic in the way he answers, like understanding the point of view and the emotions of the person who's asking the question. It's just like, it's really sweet also to see them sort of play off one another. So uh, without further preamble, I'm going to play a little bit of this. Hello, I'm LP. I'm Killer Mike. And we are Run the Jewels. We are. And uh, you're watching us on Rookie. This is Ask a Grown Man. We're going to try and answer your questions to the best of our abilities, um, although being grown is debatable. Um, so we're going to go to the first question here. And um, this question is from Blue, and she's 13 and from Seattle. She says, uh, I think I might be in love with one of my close friends. How do I know if I'm in love with him or just naive? It's a good question. I'll be honest, Blue. To be in love, period, makes you feel kind of naive. You never know. You never. There's no manual that says, hey, I'm in love. And I'm going to tell you, you're probably going to be in love a few times in your life, so I can't tell you you're not in love. 
I can just say that if you are in love, then make sure it's reciprocated. Don't love anyone who doesn't love you back. Um, if you're in love, it's supposed to make you feel better and want to do better. It's not supposed to make you feel bad. So if any love starts to feel bad, definitely pull away from it. But at about 12, 13 years old, you probably definitely have some of your first love. So I'm not going to say you aren't in love. Probably going to say you probably are. But I'm probably going to warn you that this will probably be the first of many loves. So love honestly, love hard, and don't lose yourself loving someone. Yeah, and, and give yourself time to figure out what um, what being in love feels like and what it means to you. You know, um, this is the beginning of a long um, thing for you called life and relationships and, and um, it's going to change for you. The way that you feel now and, and what it means to, uh, to you, you know, in terms of being in love is going gonna, is gonna to change as you, as you progress and as you um, figure out what it is that you want from that type of situation. But, you know, I think that it's totally valid um, to, to, to feel love, even if you don't know if it's reciprocated, even if you don't know if it's real, um, it's a, it's an intangible feeling. And, um, if you, you know, if you, if you feel it, um, then it must be that or, or, you know, but I also believe that you should, um, let that decision unfold. Um, let it, let it be an ongoing decision. Um, let it be something that you check back in on. I think sometimes we, rush and decide that we're in love. Um, and then we realize that, um, maybe we were just really drawn to somebody and, and that has the potential to turn into love. And I think that when you're, when you get to a certain point in your life, you realize that your criteria for what love is, has changed. And, um, and you'll figure that out for yourself. So, um, Holy shit, that was so good. (laughs) It just goes on like that. They answer a whole bunch of questions. It's a variety of things, but all pretty closely tied to relationships and and things with boys. As you would imagine. And they handle it incredibly deftly, I have to say. Like, I am incredibly impressed with these guys in particular. Wow. So there's a series of people like Jimmy Fallon, Stephen Colbert, like a bunch of people do this, and then they actually started bringing in a bunch of women. Um as well, and then they ch- they changed the title of the series to "Ask a Grown" instead of "Ask a Grown Man." They just ha- it's just called "Ask a Grown," and it's one uh, one woman who organizes this whole thing. It's the whole thing is brilliant. Um, Where is it? It's uh, I was watching it on Vimeo. Okay. So if you search like "Ask, ask a, grown a Grown Man" or "Ask a Grown Vimeo," um, you'll see the whole series of videos come up, and you'll be endlessly entertained for hours. So good but one. The Run the Jewels one is in particular, I think, is just brilliant. Like some of the people, like Jimmy Fallon, like makes a lot of jokes, of course, during his, and yeah. I don't think like he answers. He provides as like these guys are very, as you can tell, very earnest, very sincere, and often yeah. like the best possible advice that they can. Yeah. So really good advice. Um, and I think Stephen Colbert, who's also a dad of teenage girls, like also does a pretty good job. And they actually call that out in the This American Life episode. Like the people who are dads, like do a better job. That makes sense. Just because, right? I mean, you probably thought, uh, thought about these things and like actually been through them a little bit yeah. more with your own kids. And you have the perspective of how a dad feels, but you also re- can still project back and remember how you felt. For sure. At that age. Yeah. As a boy, yeah, uh, you know, teenage boy, when it feels like everything is just oh man, your life is out of control and so dramatic and more important than anything in the world. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, yeah. Holy shit! So, yeah, ask good a grown one. man. I love it. That is so good. Yeah, man. Especially, 
at a time when there's nothing fucking good on the internet. That's a good one. So uh, my next pick uh, is a podcast that I've been sort of waiting uh, for this one to uh, come out for a while because it's from the the producers of This American Life who did Serial. And so it's from Serial and This American Life together. And it's a podcast called S-Town, which actually is an – polite abbreviation for shit town like the actual name of the show when they announced the big at the beginning of the podcast is shit town uh and this show is there's a guy from a small town in alabama who kept writing into this american life saying i want you guys to investigate a murder in my small town where this rich kid murdered a guy and got away with it and for a while they ignored it and then he'd also called out a police sort of corruption scandal where there was a local sheriff's deputy who had been pulling women over and then blackmailing them or like harassing them into giving him sexual favors, yeah. both like in the car and also back at the jail. And he, he, this reported did research and figured out that part is real. Like I can find news stories and I find like this guy got busted and someone else got busted for trying to help him cover it up. So that's real. And that happened in the same town. So if that, if that town, that sort of corruption is happening, maybe the police are corrupt enough to let this like son of a local millionaire, like who knows, who knows, who knows? what's fair game. Who knows? So he actually goes down and like meets this guy. And so they did another interesting thing where they, and this is as far as I know, no podcast except for the Terakaya podcast, uh, which is amazing music performances. Uh, no, but no, like, you know, podcast at this level has ever released all the episodes at once. So they dropped seven like 40 minute episodes all at once and they're all available now. And the only reason I think I was thinking about this, like why would you do that? Like why do I do that with a podcast as opposed to like, obviously Netflix does it because, but I think there's also so much competition in that world now. And they probably have a higher likelihood of getting people to, uh, listen through the whole Retention? thing. Is if, it, it, yeah. It's got to be about completion, total completion, completion of the series. Yeah. So they must feel strong enough about the whole arc of the series that they want people to complete it. So um, I don't want to spoil anything or reveal anything, but like, let's just say between the like weird, like Southern Gothic on crack of this, like crazy, these crazy characters <laughs> that he meets and this initial guy who brings him down there and, the actual weirdness that unfolds, like things don't quite turn out how he expected them to turn out, but there's, it, there's even crazier shit that happens. Really? So, um, it is, uh, I am, I've listened to the first two episodes and I can confidently say if you were a fan of things like serial or crime town or any, uh, and this American life, you're going to absolutely love this. Sounds like a making, making a murderer. A little type, bit. It's a little bit like of, making of a murderer meets like serial meets, um, this American life, uh, like gummo. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So, um, and it just exposes like the dark underbelly, as you can imagine of the South, the like, weird racism and you know just all the stuff that you would expect from small town alabama sure yeah but um you know but you know two episodes in um two episodes in all seven are released so if you search s town podcast um you'll find it immediately uh it's it's 
as you can imagine, really, and you would expect from the producers of This American Life and Serial, it's extremely professionally produced. Yeah. Awesome music, you know, awesome yeah. reporting. You know, this guy spent like, in the first two episodes, he's a year and a half in to spending time down there oh reporting on this thing. Oh, so wow. the sheer amount of time that he must have spent down there to report on this stuff. I mean, we're talking years. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So this is no like fly by the seat of your pants. Yeah. Let's go you know. check out what's happening right. down here in exactly. Shiptown. Yep. Like, no. This dude is, he's a pro. He, yeah. Embedded. Yep. Huh. Uh, how long are the episodes? They're range from, from what I've seen, like 40, 40-ish, you know, 45 minutes. So you're talking like, you know. Probably between five and a half and six hours. Of, cool. So you're getting the car on a road trip. Oh, yeah. You got, you got the wife. I think Beth would really it's, enjoy this. Oh, I this. think she'd be, to- yeah. Yeah, she'd be totally like a weird, it. you know, murder mystery slash. Oh, yeah. Like this dude and his buddies living in small town Alabama, like doing crazy shit. I love it. Talking while, like, yeah. you know, running their mouths about crazy shit. So... <laughs> Uh, it's it's really good. Okay, cool. Um, have you ever heard um of a movie called Mr. Majestic? Yes. <laughs> have you ever seen it? No, I don't think so. It's fucking terrible, man. It's the I love. I fucking love Charles Bronson. I love him. Right. We've talked about this before. You've like waxed poetic about Charlie Bronson before because I think we talked about best action films or something. Yeah, yeah, and we were talking about the mechanic. Yeah. Oh, we were talking about it was uh, we were doing um, uh, Hitman. Hitman. Yeah, and the mechanic is one of my favorites. Um, and uh, which have we talked about the? Yeah, we talked about the remake, right? I, I haven't seen the remake. Have you seen the remake of Hitman? I of, uh, the, mechanic? of the mechanic. No. Uh-uh. Me neither. I think there's some asshole in it. That's why. Right. Some fucking Affleck or some shit. In there. <laughs> Something like that. Um, but Mr. Majestic is fucking abysmal, man. It's so bad. Oh, like, no. It's just, like just a piece of fucking garbage. Has, it, it, has anyone know? ever done like a documentary about Charles Bronson and how he be, how and why he became famous? I don't know. No. Someone I don't know. Should, that was, somebody's got to do that. Yeah. Because, yeah, I don't... Because it's, it's a little bit of this weird... Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's like... Yeah, he does well with, like... God, this is... This is a really terrible... It's kind of that weird era where, like, also David Carradine became famous. Yes, exactly. And, like, if you look at the stars of that era, they're, they're like, not too... And you look at... um, uh, James Caan, and, like... Yeah. There's just all these... They're like I don't. They're oddballs. They're oddballs. They're sort of weird like, looking. Yeah, I wonder what it was about American culture at that time that like made these guys be like the guys. The fucking seventies, man. Yeah. That shit was a weird fucking decade, right? Shit was weird. You know what? I think I'm afraid to say this. I think Charles Bronson might be like. I forget where I heard this. Somebody, I was. I read this article somewhere. Somebody talking about like, um. You know, popular actors today that are in really great movies, but are really terrible actors. Uh, and Jonah Hill came up. Huh. Um, and the argument that um, this person made was that 
you know, you look at movies like Wolf of Wall Street. Um, that's a great movie. His character is really funny and really yeah. great in it. He's like, but if you watch kind of any movie that that guy is in, you never spend any time with him. Like he's great for a second and a half. Right. He's great for a half a second. He like he's great with a good editor. But right. if you need to sit on him, you're never going to get anything because he can't act. You know, huh. and I wonder if there's a little bit of that in Bronson, hmm. because if I think back on Charles Bronson movies, like you kind of can't spend a lot of time with him because there's not a lot there. Like he's deep as a puddle, you know what I mean? Right. And it, it works well with something like the mechanic, because that's a character that is a sociopath, right? Like he's, he's not. Or a psychopath, like he, he doesn't have a lot of depth right. there. You or know empathy, what I mean? or yeah. There's there is no empathy. There's no rumination. There's right. no internal struggle. Yeah, like he's just like a, a killing machine. He's a killing machine. There is yeah. no internal thing, so it works well for that. But like in other parts, you know. But he he did all the sh- like the Great Escape. You don't need him for anything in that. He's yeah. just another fucking dude that's you know yep. digging a fucking hole. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that critique has been leveled at Scarlett Johansson as well. And so in the upcoming uh, Ghost in the Shell. Like, oh, it's she, going to be impossible to tell. She's supposed to be a robot. That's you know? right. She is. Um. So, yeah, easy to get away with shitty acting. Right. Right. Just that, I mean, ter- like Terminator, right? Right. I mean, there's, that's the penultimate example. Right. Of of shitty acting working in your favor, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not supposed to show anything, and you fucking cast right. it perfectly. You got it. Yeah. Um. So have you have you seen the uh, that that five-minute sequence from yeah. Ghost in the Shell? Yeah. So for those that don't know, they released the f- – <coughs> as they sometimes do with movies that they want to build a significant buzz around, they released the first five minutes of Ghost in the Shell. Um, and you can go watch it on YouTube right now. Uh, I did watch it and I have to say, I went from being like, this movie is a definite pass to getting, uh, pretty excited about it. And it has nothing to do with Scarlett Johansson and everything to do with like the weird geisha robots and just like the creepiness of the overall scene and setting in the world. Like I want to go see the world. I don't necessarily care about Scarlett Johansson, which is probably a bad way to go in, or maybe it's a good way to go in because like, then maybe I'll enjoy the movie. Um, but I want to go see like the spectacle of it because I think the, the concept and the premise of that movie and that world is so cool. Oh yeah. Uh, and I, as a kid, like Akira and uh, you know, other anime movies made a huge impact on me. So I, I want to go, I, I know all the critiques and all the like whitewashing and all the stuff that's yeah. being leveled at it. And like, why does there have to be Scarlett Johansson? There's plenty of really amazing Asian actresses that you could cast in the part. Yep. Uh, might be a better movie than the pushback as well. Americans won't go see it unless there's a big star in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's a, with that movie, there's enough of a cult following and also just like the sheer way the production and the effects and everything look. spent a lot of money on that. That it doesn't really matter yeah. who's in the lead. Like people are going to go see that just because it's so different. Yeah, I know. I think so. I mean it's obviously – it was a call where somebody was like you're putting – there's an A-list here. 
Right. Or else you're not getting the check. Right. So they're like, all right, well, fine. We'll what you. Yeah. But it's also unfortunate because didn't she just make a movie where she was like a robot killing machine that was like really terrible? It's like where she can see five seconds into the future or some bullshit like that. And people just like panned it. It got like a 10 on Rotten Tomatoes and no one, no one watched it. Oh, I don't know. Fuck. Wait, are you thinking of the one, the remake of the Danish um, Lucy? Is it Lucy? Yes, Lucy. Lucy. Okay, yeah. Um, Lucy wasn't that bad. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's shitty, but I mean, that, it wasn't that bad. The That original movie, we're talking about the movie with the girl with the long blonde hair where her father like is remotely training her to be an assassin. Now that's a different film. Oh, that is a different film. Yeah, okay. because that's where I went to. Was she was she in that one? In, uh, the, in the American version of that one? No, I don't know if they made an American. I'm hoping that they didn't make an American version. Oh, they of that did. One. They did. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh shit. I know. Because that movie was so fucking good. It's why do you killer. need to remake that movie? It's killer, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, why Anyways. do you have to remake? Okay, fucking- so maybe I haven't seen this Danish Lucy movie that that was, but it, Lucy's the movie I'm talking about. Like people, yeah, people panned that movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The people didn't like that. I liked it. I liked this. It was stylistic, and you know what I mean. It's garbage, but yeah, you know. I mean, it's 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 crap, but it's fine. You know what I mean? It's it depends. What do you expect? I mean, they go. What are you expecting when you go into this thing? Like, I'm not when I go in to see Ghost in the Shell. I'm not expecting fucking Blade Runner. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not going to be like it's not going to be Blade Runner, right? But which is too bad because the original, like if you watch, which by the way you can watch on Hulu right now for free. You can. Oh, watch, that's killer! It's the American dubbed version of it. You can't. You have to get. You have to get a Blu-ray if you want to watch the Japanese subtitles. Yeah. But the evidently the I was researching this just last night actually. The Japanese subtitles are so bad, like the translation so bad that many people like also like. Basically, there's no copy of this movie that people actually want to watch, unfortunately. That, like, people who loved it oh and saw God, the original that's... in the theater, like, will watch it. Yeah. Because the, the Japanese subtitles this. are so – the English subtitles for the Japanese are so bad. And many people, purists, obviously, don't want to watch the American dub. But you can watch right. the American dub for free right now on you, on Hulu if you haven't seen it. Well, that's cool. Um, it's a, it's a it, that it's a watershed film. Yeah, for sure. I haven't seen it. Um, but – I know that so many people talk about it and and it's crazy how old it is and how relevant it is like talk about like sci-fi yeah. looking forward and like hitting it on the head with like with bio um yep. how, what do you how do you say what am I trying to say the bio tie-in or the bio oh, fucking like, um mixing Fucking computers with oh, your body. Right. So it's like the sentient AI or whatever. Yeah, so but like, more like yeah. in that. It's it, like androids. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it's like, um, it's a little bit of a plus up. You know what I mean? Right. Like in that, in like that biohacking. Clip, yeah, it's biohacking type of thing where like that guy had that, the bald guy had that really cool like fucking green thing going up over his head that was, right. that was like how he was communicating with the other guy. Yep. And the other dude was like, here I can know anything. I can right. My my baby learns like is fluent in French in thirty seconds or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yep. then that fucking geisha yeah. starts sucking the fucking. <laughs> It'll be great. It's gonna be great. Yeah. You know. Um. Yeah. You know. I I'll, 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 I psyched to see it. Um. Because I'm not going in expecting anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. 
Yeah, I think if anyone goes in with high expectations at this point, you're likely to be disappointed. But yeah. So speaking of sci-fi, <clears throat> I uh, dove into a. Um, uh, oftentimes, like I'll, on, I read the blog Tor. Tor is a sci-fi publisher. Um, T O R. Uh, Tor.com is like an awesome resource for sci-fi and fantasy for anyone who is looking for a good read. Um, I read, I get their RSS feed and I look through and every once in a while there's an article that sort of catches my eye. And this one was about um, a locked room murder mystery in space. And so that was an interesting premise to me. So there's a, uh, a book called six wakes by a female writer named Mur M U R Lafferty, Mur Lafferty, six wakes. Uh, And the whole thing starts off with these. It's a world where um, you can clone yourself. uh, You can, map your consciousness and put it into like a replicated clone body of yourself at like peak physical age, like 22 or whatever you can download your consciousness. That's been sort of gathering for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years back into a a body. So like, you know, your arm gets cut off, you know, it's like, well, right. Well, shoot me in the head and I'll see you in the morning. Yeah. Sort of thing. Uh, Right. And, um, what happens is on the spaceship, all these clones wake up and they wake up to this grisly murder scene where everyone on the crew has been uh, on this like small six person crew on the spaceship has been murdered. And then they have to figure out and start to piece together what the hell happened. Like one of them made it to like this emergency switch that like downloaded um, at least part of their memories like into these. Um, so they, they end up going back to. Uh, the the download basically the mind map when they first launched the ship so to them it's like it seems like they just stepped onto this ship from their memory standpoint but they can see in front of them like the whole all of their previous clones have been murdered oh wow so and then they have to start going up up like they start to figure out like okay what's happened well actually we're like 25 years into this like looking at these bodies they've obviously aged Let's like look at, oh, we're 25 years into this journey. It's like a generation ship. So they have a whole bunch of thousands of people who are asleep. And they're the skeleton crew who's supposed to be manning the ship as it goes to a planet that like this new colony is going to inhabit. So So, And then the like you learn about each of the crew and their backstories and how they ended up there and what they've done in their previous lives. And it starts to, the narrative starts to unpack all that stuff. And it's a really... Really excellent, like really well done book. And things, it's, it's none of it is what unfolds as you would expect it. It's really original. It's, uh, you know, doesn't walk any sort of, you know, well trodden. It's not like the computer that did it or whatever. Totally, you know, it's yeah. not like you're not ripping off anything from, you know, epic sci fi things like 2001 or whatever. It's like, it, it's all its own thing and it feels really new and really fresh. Killer, um, but like familiar at the same time, like taking that idea of a locked room murder mystery, like, okay, we've, we're all out here in space. Like it was one of us, like who did this or whatever. Yeah. Oh, so, I love, that's cool. kind of, I love a locked room murder mystery. Like who doesn't? Yeah. And they make for great films. I hope somebody adapts that. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. They make for great films. Yeah. Cause they're, they're cheap. Right. And you can put your money into really good writing Yeah, and really good acting. That's true. You know, they're easy to make. Yeah, absolutely. Relatively speaking. Yeah, speaking of which, we've got that new Life film that's coming out that's about the, it's sort of like the 
reminiscent of the first alien film with like the, oh yeah 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 the horror unleashed on on the contained ship or whatever so yeah that i'm psyched for yeah we'll see i i hope it's good they they obviously make it look re- really tense and good in the, in the preview so we'll see yeah how it turns out so you want to talk food yeah man yeah let's do it let's talk food let's talk food um we're gonna talk. Um, we talked about this earlier. Well, I'm gonna go through a little bit of like we were talking earlier about maybe. Do you want to fo- just focus on the omelet part? I'm gonna t- I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you guys how to make a really beautiful proper omelet. I think this is interesting because you know a lot of chefs when the people come when they have young chefs come to their restaurants like the thing they have them make is eggs. Eggs is the measure. Yeah. Or, or roast chicken. Right. Eggs. Like that's like that's a, a simple litmus. thing that you can either do really well and shows that you have the core skills that can then be applied everywhere else. Yes. Or you fuck it up. You don't pay attention. You don't know what you're doing. And it's really obvious. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's a litmus test. Like, you know, right away, if the eggs are right, then, okay, they're paying attention to detail because it's an egg is one of the most perfect like things that you can have in the kitchen. You can do so many things with an egg and an omelet, a well-made omelet is one of the greatest things. It's beautiful. So here's how you make a classic French omelet, which is different than um, an American omelet. um, And it's superior to an an American omelet. An American omelet um, is, you know, think of like your Denny's or your, even at a nice place, um, right. at an omelet bar or something, you've basically got, um, a, you know, a pan on a burner getting really hot. The butter goes in, the egg mix goes in, and then they drop all the fillings on it. Wait till it's done, fold it in half, fire it onto the plate. It's brown, you know, it's yeah. been browned, and it's yeah. you know, it's full of cheese and fucking whatever. It's not <laughs> ham terrible. and mushrooms, ham yeah. and mushrooms, whatever. Yeah. It's not bad. But what is far superior is um, is the fine herb um, French omelet. So herbs, I, I can't. I, I'm terrible with French. Herb herb fiends. I, I don't yeah. know if you've ever seen. People have seen that. H e r b e s f i n e s. It's um, it's chervil, chives, marjoram, and one other herb. All very mild. Uh, herbs, yep. marjoram. Yeah, I don't, there's one other. Chives. Is it rosemary? Chervil. No, no, nothing that strong. And one other very mild herb. Um. So what happens is you start with your eggs. Always, always buy the best eggs you can find. Um. If you've got a farmer's market around, get your eggs from the farmer's market because they came from, you know, right. close by. Fresh. Yeah. They're fresh. Chances are they came from a chicken that's been running around, you know, you know, yeah. get the best eggs you can get, the good, freshest eggs. Good protein. Yep. Bugs and all sorts of good stuff. Eat bugs and all kinds to, of- like, eat a bunch of fucking corn. Fucking A. Yeah, man. Spend money on eggs. It's worth it. So, you know, hopefully when you crack your egg, you've got, like, a very rich yellow oak, uh, yolk. Yep. That's what you want to see. You don't want to see something that's lemon-colored or yep. pale- you want to see something that's very dense, colored, almost yep. orange, you know? So 
nice eggs. Don't crack your egg on a on a cornered surface. Don't crack your egg on the side of the pan. Don't crack it on the side of a bowl. It'll drive. Um, well, it does a couple things. You'll you'll potentially break the yolk, which you don't want to do. Yep. But it also um, it just pushes the it drives the shell inside the egg. Mm-hmm. So whatever bacteria is on the outside of the egg now gets shoved inside. Right. And it's not a great place to have bacteria rolling. Yep. And I don't. And I'm not too picky about shit in the kitchen. Right. Like I let. I'm, I'm all right with dirt. Like yeah. I don't get too picky. But that's one thing. So crack it on the flat. Yep. Three eggs into a bowl, fresh herbs, cut them in there, whip the eggs. Don't add a lot of air to them, but make sure they're thoroughly mixed. Like you can't tell the difference between, you don't see any pieces of white, you don't see any pieces of yolk, fully blended, all the way blended. Then use a nonstick pan um, because... We recently got a ceramic pan that's money. I've been thinking about getting one of those. Yeah. I have to say it's it's so superior to like a Teflon, even a nice like Maviel Teflon coated pan. Yeah, it's so much better. So really? we have this new cooktop. Nicole went out and got some new, couple new pans to replace some like fifteen, seventeen year old pans that we had. Yeah, um, and we had some trashy ones that I got at like one of those cook supply places in Chicago. Yeah, that were like had probably like should have been thrown out three years ago. She replaced our the one that we make eggs in with this new ceramic pan and it's awesome non-stick property oh yeah for sure better non-stick than teflon i gotta fucking get one of those because the assholes in my house (laughs) use fucking metal in it oh yeah and it's scratched like i buy i buy then the teflon starts to flake and then you might as well just be like pouring fucking dupont chemicals into my baby's fucking mouth yeah and and I'm and I watched them do it. I'm like, what are you doing? Like you know, I right. just this is the fourth one I bought in a year. And yeah. you're, and you just got to remove all the metal utensils from the house. For fuck's sake, people, don't use fucking metal. Like it's you don't need it. No, there's such good other utensils now at this point. That- yes, or buy it's a fucking ceramic one. I'm going to yeah. check that out. If you're saying it's good, I'm going to get one. They can't fuck that up. All right, so your nonstick Pam on the burner. The burner's on medium low to medium um what you want is a temperature that um that when you add a pad of room temperature butter the butter stays kind of in a it holds its shape for a couple of seconds you basically i mean basically what you want is a a pan that is gonna let the butter sit in it for about thirty seconds right. without browning. Without browning, yeah. you never nothing is brown in this omelet. Right. If it turns brown, you throw it away because it's not. Right. It doesn't brown. So, um, get your butter in there. Don't be shy with the butter, obviously, right? Yep. And um, into into the pan you go with your eggs, and um, it, it's tricky. Like you want the pan to be hot enough. So it starts, so it immediately cooks that first level that, that it touches. So into the pan, get that first layer cooked and you can tell like you'll, you'll tilt the pan up and let most of the, the egg roll towards the front of the pan. So away from the handle and you'll see like the top of the omelet, the thin part of the egg that is stuck to the pan. Um, or not stuck to it, but has stayed against it, is cooked. Yeah. At that point, what you want to do is con- is 
kind of continue to hold that up for a little bit and let the kind of trough that you've made at the bottom of your skillet, let that cook a little bit longer with the, all those eggs that have run down in it. Okay. Then you're going to flap over the top part towards the handle that you've been holding up. You're going to kind of um, fold that over with a spoon or something. doesn't matter. Fold it over and then let those eggs that are starting to cook a little bit more come back into the, the fold that you've just made and then do the same thing on the other side, fold that over. So basically what you have is what looks like a football, right? And you have softer sort of moister eggs <laughs> in the middle, right? That's exactly right. <clears throat> so what's in that, um, what's in there are eggs. It, basically it, they're perfect scrambled eggs. They're moist, which is why you need really good quality eggs because you're not cooking them through. So right. let that sit for a second while you have your full, you know, football made and then uh, grab the pan with your palm facing up. So you can kind of flip the whole thing over onto a plate and it goes onto the plate, kind of shape it up a little bit, clean it off and it's sh- nothing should be brown. And you've got, that's the perfect omelet. Right. Nice. So I do, um, I saw on a Bourdain special, he had a thing where all these chefs showed you different techniques. And he had one with a, I'm, I forget the name of the famous French chef, but it's one of the like iconic French chefs that everyone knows. And he was showing how he makes eggs. And he accomplishes the exact same thing you're talking about, but his technique is maybe for beginners a little easier, where what he does is as soon as the eggs, you do the same thing, prepare it the same way. When you put it in, as soon as the eggs start to cook, you push them to the center. Yes. I actually yeah. forgot to mention that. That's part of it. So you want really small curds. Right. So you're pulling – I forgot to mention that part. You're pulling that into the center of the pan because you need the uh, the liquid part of the eggs to fill to be, around yeah, that. Yeah, to fill, and then they start to cook. And so what you're getting is yes. like none of it is getting too overcooked. And you're, when you push it towards the center, then you have this, like, when you eat it, you have this texture of, like, there's a multi-textural and really soft, velvety sort of interior, and it's Yes, money. that is, yep, that's exactly right. I totally forgot that step. You kind of actually, when you first pour it in, you want to be moving that pan kind of fast. Right. And, making, and whipping it up a little bit to make sure that no large curds are forming. You want very small right. curds. Um, and then, yeah, start pulling it into the center of the pan. There's a there's a million ways to do eggs, yeah. but but yeah, you gotta be careful. You're right. Never the, overcook them. The French style is pretty different. Yeah, Gordon Ramsay has a good video where he shows how he does it, and he does a continuous stir, and he is pulling it on and off the heat. Oh yeah, yeah, that's how yeah. I do my scrambled eggs. I'm always on and off the okay. heat, and yeah, I spend scrambled eggs obviously different than an omelet. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, you're right, because he's showing how to do perfect scrambled eggs. You're right, not an omelet. Yeah, so another one of the methods that people use, Mark H. makes his scrambled eggs this way, is he does cold pan, cold butter, cold eggs. Right. Have you heard this before? Yeah, this is, this is how Gordon Ramsay does it. No shit. Yeah. I've never fucking heard this before. Yeah, you put all the stuff, the butter goes in with it yeah. at the same time. Yeah, and you're constantly and it on the stirring fire. it, constantly stirring it. Then you're on the fire. You pull it off as soon as it starts to set. As soon as it feels like it's stagnated, you put it back on, pulling it off. Pull, you know, yeah. you're like pu- pulling it on and off. And it would forms just this like, I made it for the girls one morning doing the Gordon Ramsay style. And I didn't 
perfect his technique by any means, but they were like blown away. Like Helen to this day will still ask me like, <laughs> can you make me eggs like Gordon really? Ramsay, like those special eggs? Yeah. Really? And okay. I mean, cause it's a completely different thing though. Oh yeah. It's a completely different texture and taste and you get completely. like really rich, that rich butter. Cause he uses a, like a good knob of butter yeah. in there as well. But I mean, it's really good and it's not that difficult. No, it's easy. So, yeah. All you have to do is not overcook them. Yeah. And watch your watch the flame. Like it's yep. that's the biggest thing. Americans make like the idea of a scrambled egg in a in a fucking chafing dish, it doesn't work. Like right. that doesn't it's that doesn't I mean it's technically yeah, it's still an egg, but that doesn't it's not a fucking scrambled egg. Right. It's it's a Well, usually they put they just water those down with like a bunch of milk and shit to like <laughs> fluff it up and get as much yeah, volume out of it as they can exactly. anyway. Exactly. So. Yeah. Holiday Inn style. Yeah, might as well be French toast at that point. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, I think let's call it there for yeah, tonight. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening and tuning in. Thanks, as always, to Kaya Fisher for the audio engineering assistance. Um, I am headed out on vacation, so it might be a little bit here before we get back with another episode. But we'll try to get some out as soon as possible. And, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time.